0: to the inside Fairfield lacrosse podcast hosted by JJ Duke and
1: all access pass to Fairfield University Lacrosse hey fans welcome into our first ever episode of inside Fairfield lacrosse podcasts for we kind of have an opportunity to take a look inside both the Fairfield men's and the women's program. It's going to be a weekly podcast where we're going to chat with the coaches, chat with some of the players, kind of bring you the insights of what's going on in both teams. This week, the first episode is going to be the men's LAX preview and the outlook, a little bit of the look back as well at the last season. JJ Duke here with you, the voice of the Fairfield Stags lacrosse program. I'm joined with head coach Andy Copeland. Cope, I was told in the lead up to this when you agreed to this. The quote was, get your popcorn ready. I'm a little scared of what's going to be happening Yeah,
0: next. No, no no need to be scared. As long as we're not mic'd up on the sideline on game day, I think we're safe.
1: There we go. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know some of the fans, or a lot of the fans actually are going to be looking forward to this. And I think they're going to appreciate the uh, kind of the inside look at what's happening with the program as we get closer and closer to 2019 season, which is scary enough, time of recording, not too far away. We are, we are in the ninth inning, yep. We're uh, right around the corner, kind of the calm before the storm, but all exciting stuff looking ahead. So this, we're going to do this in three parts. Uh, first is going to be a recap, and that's how we're going to format the majority of the shows. A recap, in this instance, we're going to look back at the 2018 season. The scout, which would be the middle part, usually would look at you know the next opponent or two to come today is going to be a little look at what the 2019 schedule is going to be like as well as the roster and then uh, kind of like an around the circuit type thing or you know where we have an opportunity to just talk about whatever in the lacrosse world this week it would be the rule changes for 2019 which are certainly going to be a fair few of them but it's going to make the game a lot more exciting but we get to the recap last season 4-11 overall 1-4 and in the conference not to say it wasn't a challenging schedule because it was you face five ranked teams two teams receiving votes the national champions in Yale but this was a season that you know definitely had its ups and downs And I know in our time working together that you're someone that you know think forward and you know straight to the point but someone who also kind of looks back and is very methodical about the business and also you know someone that just understands the game when you look back at last season what was the takeaway from it? Yeah, well, I I guess there's a
0: few. I mean, look, it, it was it was a frustrating season on a lot of levels. I mean, you're you're in this profession because you, you you care a great deal about the kids, you care a great deal about the school that you represent, you understand what a successful lacrosse program can do just for the whole profile of Fairfield University. So, so with that said, I felt like I let a lot of people down. Um, and not just last year, frankly, the last couple of years. So that's a that that was a tough pill to swallow. I just felt like. Uh, you know, we'd been building for so long and kind of moving on an upward track for so long, and then all of a sudden, boom! The pendulum kind of swung the other way on you, and it—we uh, uh, kind of went from winning a lot of close games to to, 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 to losing far too many really close games, and and, and hence the four and eleven record. So, uh, I, I'm not going to use the, the the schedule as an excuse. I think the, the the people that know me know I'm not an excuse guy. So we just have to we just have to own it and move forward, but. Uh, I I think one of the one of the real things, one of the real positives coming out of that, is it just it forces some real internal reflection. And and I did as much professional development as I've ever done in my life this this past summer, and uh, and a lot of really good takeaways from that. And, And then and then honestly, the response from our guys has been has been extraordinary. And we're going back to, to, to last May right now, where they just, uh, they handled the summer months with great maturity and great discipline and great hunger. And, uh, and what we had, you know, we, we knocked fall ball out of the park and we're off to a really good start right now in just the first week of this spring preseason. So, uh, a lot of positives. And, and as you mentioned, I'm kind of an onward and upward looking kind of guy. And I, uh, um, it's funny when one of the one of the books I read during the offseason, it was uh chop wood carry water and it's a it's a pretty quick read but it's all about basically becoming great at the process and in, in in one of the chapters they talk about just the road to the top of the mountain it never goes in a straight line and uh and I think that's that's kind of what we went through so I, I think sometimes you face some adversity and, and and you you handle it the right way you come out better on the other side and, and I feel very confident that's going to be the case with uh with
1: kind of the future of this program so you talk about the process when the group came back in you know, august september what was the tone that you wanted to see come out from the group and you know what was the message that you stressed like okay so we come into the fall season what was x y and z that you wanted to get out of it
0: yeah it, uh, really just a short-term focus i mean we have we have something in in our locker room that's up and it says just focus on the 200 feet in front of you so while well, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from the past couple of years, I also didn't want to make the mistake of just constantly looking in the rearview mirror. I think that would have been been wrong from a tone setting standpoint. So it was just uh, focus on the short term, focus on daily improvement, focus focus on controlling the controllables, and just kind of having a having a positive attitude where you're just you're ever present and you're focusing on getting the most out of whatever it is that we are doing at that uh, at that time
1: the growth thus far obviously it's a new group a lot of young players coming in but still a lot of veterans and a fair few key veterans that are still here as well have they gelled as you hoped at this point in the season or do you think there's still a little bit of growing on that front
0: yeah I I think there's always there's always a little bit of growing that that you're trying to uh, that you're trying to uh, make sure the guys follow through on and and it's funny you use the word growth but growth is actually one of our core values and it's just kind of learn from all previous mistakes and don't make them a second and a third time, and just just all eyes forward, kind of moving in the same direction. But there there certainly are some seniors that I will give an awful lot of credit to that have have really matured and become uh, kind of pillars in, in in this whole effort here. And Brendan Quinn is the first kid that comes to mind. He uh, he got voted captain, um, and 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 he just. He he's had a really positive influence on uh, on our team thus far, and Kendall Cahy is in that same category. And Sam Murphy now is a two-year captain. I think the the role he played as a junior captain was a little bit unique for him at times, and it was just it was just new. And at uh, at times maybe there were there were kind of some speed bumps, and uh, but but I think this year he just has uh, he has such a positive outlook on on um on what we're trying to get done and, and, and it's really kind of been contagious throughout the whole team so I'll start with those three guys and then we have a junior captain and Billy McMenamin who just is the perfect complement to those other three but but really the the, the upperclassmen at large I mean I, I'm a firm believer that you go as your seniors go and uh and right now our
1: seniors are doing an awfully good job there's a couple things that I took back from last season I looked at the schedule and how the game's kind of built down I'm someone that you know like you, looks forward, but I'm also someone that tries to take a lot of positives. And there were a few moments last year that I thought, okay, you know what? There are seeds. There are things that are there that definitely can be built upon. Obviously, one of the big ones that you and I talked about, it was right around the Stony Brook game last year, was shoring up the extra man. And the group responded beautifully to whatever you told them because they went on a run. It was, what, over two games, Stony Brook and Quinnipiac, where they had seven for seven. It was simple. But it looked like the group was really passing the ball around, and they opened up the lanes for a lot of good shots. And it turned out to be one of the best extra man groups in the entire nation.
0: Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you picking up on that. I mean, I, I think both special teams, our man up and our man down, uh, did a really good job last year. I do think that that was one of the one of the kind of silver lining, uh, positive things that we can point to. So, good good news is a lot of those a lot of those groups are back this year, uh, so we don't need to adjust too much. And uh, I, I think one of the things I learned there too is just. Uh, sometimes coaches can make the mistake of overcomplicating things and at least in, in, in the man up stuff we were pretty basic and pretty vanilla but we just uh, we had a very clear identity everybody knew exactly what their role was and uh, and 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 for being pretty simple, it was just awfully efficient. As you mentioned, I think we were right around 50%. So, uh, you know, I I think that applies in other areas outside of man-up too. But I think anytime you're talking about offense, I don't care if it's early offense or man-up or half-field or settled or against zone, it's all about ball movement and sharing the ball. And I think uh, that man-up unit was was balanced. I certainly hope we can have balanced scoring going into the spring.
1: And then the second one that I got from last year was a windy, cold night in Hempstead. The opener for the CAA, and I remember I was actually at work, and I had it up on the side screen, just kind of kind of keeping an eye on things, how it was going. That might have been one of the most dragged-out defensive standstills I saw in a long time. It was 5-4. There was a couple of 3-0 runs in there late. You guys had the last one, including uh, getting one right at the death, and that was really what kind of spurred me on to this season. It said, okay, you know what? It was a tough year. Yes, as you said, you learned, you take the lumps. But this group – they never really backed down from any challenge and that was one of the nights that I said okay you know what take that from last season build it forward and did you see anything that you thought okay you know maybe we can build on that for this season even though it obviously didn't help uh for the 2018 campaign
0: yeah sure I mean there uh there's a lot of different ways to to both win and lose lacrosse games and in that particular one you mentioned it it was uh it was defensive and uh some people might call it ugly, but I, I don't really care. You know, there's no such thing as a, as a pretty win or an ugly win. You're just trying to win the ballgame however you may be able to. So I think that was uh, Max McGuire's maybe first start or maybe his second start, but I thought he, uh, he played at a very, very, very high level. We did a good job defensively in front of him, and then uh, – well, at times we really struggled to score. We we, we scored when we needed to. And uh, I think it was Travis Ford who had the game winner, you know, with whatever 15, 20 seconds uh, left, something like that. And uh, any, anytime you can squeak out those one-goal wins and, you know, you, you, you can do it in that kind of fashion, I think it does a – it can just do wonders just for your, for your morale and confidence. And uh, – uh, you know, I think in the opening CAA game, we lost a one-goal game to Delaware, and then this was the second one, and we won a one-goal game there against Hofstra, and then then UMass kind of ran through the conference. But then it was a it was a really close loss to Drexel and a really close loss to Towson. So we, we felt like we were right there, um, but that's that's one of the difficult things about the CAA is there is no team in our conference that has any bit of quit in them, and it is a a, a tough blue collar. Uh, conference with those types of personalities both from coaches and players so uh, I, I'm confident again our guys will be up for the challenge we just hope that uh, we can flip the script on uh, on some of those close losses
1: yeah and I thought that was the last part for my recap is you know looking back at conference last year what, for those who have never seen the CAA I think you described it beautifully it's blue color it's tight you know, there's never going to be a game that's really over until the final horn, 60 minutes, are in the book. In fact, of the 15 regular season games last year, seven were decided by two or less goals, which is insane when you look at it, because your season can be made or broken by a goal, maybe two goals at one point. Why is this league so difficult to navigate? It's one of the smallest leagues with six teams, but yet, you know, really anybody has a true chance of winning it if you get on a right streak at the right time. Yeah, I mean that 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 speaks
0: to the season that UMass had last year. I mean the the they uh, they kind of went through. I mean we're probably going back I don't know three four five years now, but I know I I know those guys probably had a couple back to back seasons where it wasn't quite up to their standards. Now that's what we went through the last couple years, but I I, I think the league is. Uh, I mean I, I look at the coaches in the league I mean I guess outside of coach DeLuca at at Delaware the coaches have kind of been there for a long time they've kind of grown grown some roots there so there's a very clear understanding of their schools but also the opponents uh I, I, and then it's just it, it it's just tough I mean I, I don't really know where that where that Comes from, but people people ingest say all the time that the CAA is the black and blue league. Like it's just you uh, you, you you get beat up a little bit. So. Um you know, we, we obviously prepare for that, both physical toughness and mental toughness, and there's a lot of things that you can do to try to kind of create those things so the guys are, are, are hopefully prepared and accustomed to what they're going to see come conference play. But uh, but it's a great conference to be part of, too. I mean, I, I think I think every team in the conference, frankly, with the exception of, of Fairfield, has has been at least to an Elite Eight. In their in their history um and that's a that's a pretty cool thing so uh we're certainly trying to get there ourselves uh i, I do think there are opportunities for us to get to that point but uh we just have to commit to the process and, and, and that's been the focus thus far
1: well that starts perfectly with our 2019 season so we look at the scout here coming season roster we start offensively returned six of the eight top scorers from last year 29 upwards of 30 total returners how has the veterans come into well? We obviously had fall season, but now we're in you know main season right now. What's been the mentality of them? How have they've you know gone out in the field? Have they done their job up to this point, or you know do you feel like we may have another couple of days left in it until they've hit the spot where you want it to be?
0: No, we didn't. We didn't waste much time. So we we, we brought them back. We just started on Monday here, so it's a week before uh, uh, the academic calendar begins. So so we've been able to to spend a lot of time around them. We've done a couple uh i guess kind of non-lacrosse specific type things this year just to kind of focus on some team building and just some chemistry and cohesion and I, I think the guys really took very well to that we actually just yesterday got back from a jesuit retreat we went away with father duty and todd Balaza uh down to north jersey to stay in a in a Loyola jesuit home uh or retreat house and uh I thought that was a really, really, really cool experience. Something that was different for our guys, different for me. But uh, I, I give him a lot of credit. Just there were there were no walls up. There was some vulnerability. There was some straight talk, and just some goal setting. And coming out of that, I felt uh, I, I felt like it was certainly worthwhile. So uh, some of that stuff has has uh, has certainly impacted what you're seeing on the field. Uh, and it's it's been it's been a group that has a lot of energy. They're not afraid of the hard work. Uh, kind of a kind of roll up your sleeves and just get after it kind of group and, uh, and I've been around other teams where sometimes you feel like you really have to like coach effort and you have to coach work and I haven't I felt that way with this group we can actually coach lacrosse and focus on what we should be uh focusing on so that basically comes back to to the guys kind of policing themselves and really kind of holding each other accountable and setting the standards for what we're all trying to accomplish and uh and 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 they've done that so credit the credit the 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 captains credit the upperclassmen and just uh i I credit the the kind of the maturity of, of of the whole group i mean there's a uh there's a there's a funny, colorful, charismatic side to our team, but there's also a deeper side that's pretty, pretty thoughtful and uh, and, and and pretty motivating, and uh, and we've kind of seen glimpses of both. But it's been a fun group to be around. I can tell you, um, uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, and I think uh, I don't know that I can say that last year. And I think when when the head coach stopped having fun, I'm not sure the rest of the guys were having fun, right? And I can promise you, I'm not making that mistake again. But um, but it also is an easy group to to just enjoy their company. So.
1: so I'm curious who's the locker room guy this year because if there's a lot of fun down there, who's uh who's leading the charge, who's keeping the guys loose. Uh,
0: Brendan Quinn has uh has some personality. He has some personality, so you gotta get him uh, up here on the mic one day and hopefully that comes out. But uh but he uh he is colorful.
1: So I'm curious. Now you talked about those um kind of off the lacrosse field trips, those bonding experiences, you talk about the retreat, what are some of the other events that the group has been to that you thought, okay, you know what, we came a little bit closer together after that one? Sure. So back in the fall, we
0: did something that's called the program, and it's basically uh, a couple ex-Navy SEALs. It's kind of a military-based leadership and, and, and teamwork type exercise and they came to campus for a couple of days and basically beat the snot out of our guys there was a there was a, a, a turf element and then a pool element and then uh and then some 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 talks there as well but I thought uh I thought that was a real positive back in the fall we we uh we did a new locker room kind of kind of branding upgrade that was just done a couple of weeks ago uh and I think the guys are excited about that it's just kind of new and fresh and um, you know, it's just different from what, what, what they what they saw the past couple of years. So I think that that hopefully uh, uh, plays a role in just kind of keeping guys excited about about the future. Uh, tonight we're actually we're, uh, we're all hopping on the train here in about an hour and a half. we're going down to New York. We're taking the guys over to the New York Athletic Club for our, uh, for our mentorship event. So that's that's one of the things that we try to do is just help guys professionally and, and, and help guys, uh, you know, kind of establish their network. So when they, when they graduate from this place, there, there is that value add that they were looking for professionally. And uh, so I think our guys are excited about that. We're going to have a bunch of alumni in attendance. I think it'll just be a great event. So we've done some stuff uh, this year that we did not do in the past, and I think thus far it really is just kind of created for, for a little bit of a better overall energy.
1: No doubt, and that's something that I'm definitely going to check up on you with that about that event because obviously, as it always is here at Fairfield Athletics, it's more than just the you know the experience on the field. It's the all around the community, the academic side of things, and it's great to hear that you guys are connecting with your alums.
0: I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's one of the things that's really important to me. Is there's, you know, everybody, everybody wants the same thing, right? I mean, the, the the short answer is everybody wants to win a national championship. But at the end of the day, higher education is also about making sure we really care about these guys, and uh, and they know that people care about them, and then they're uh, they're being exposed to a lot of the resources that can help them be successful in their future.
1: Brilliant. Let's talk about the team a little bit. Coming back, some of the returners, uh, notable on the offensive side. Jack Brennan back, Taylor Stroud back, Dylan Beckwith back, Colin Burke also in the group. So key elements to your 6v6 and the EMO. Um, have those guys kind of kept the level going uh, from the offseason workouts to the preseason? You know, is there anybody else that's been jumping into the mix that you've been a little surprised at? yeah sure uh,
0: a couple of the guys you mentioned uh, uh dylan beckwith and taylor stroud they're they're right now on our first midfield along with brendan quinn so we have an all long island first midfield i'm not sure how i really feel about that but at the end of the day those guys have been uh have been performing at a really high level right now so there's good chemistry emerging there uh at attack colin and jack obviously played the the large majority of the year together so they have a pretty good chemistry uh but we also have some tough decisions to make they're uh there are some other guys. We have a couple, a couple freshmen who, who obviously are new to Fairfield lacrosse and college lacrosse, but uh, I think they got a chance too. So, um, you know, we're going to kind of get through the the, the 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 couple preseason scrimmages here, and we're going to take another couple weeks to to make some of these final decisions. But uh, practices have been really competitive. Guys have been mixing it up and getting it after it pretty good, and uh, we're going to see kind of who rises to the top over a little bit of time.
1: On the defensive side of things, obviously, that's where the group was hit the most from graduation last year and really the last couple of years. So who's been the one that's been stepping up thus far? I know, obviously, Andrew Murrow, kind of the main returner from the group and the goalies were platooning last year. So who has kind of stepped into the mold thus far and really kind of taken the reins?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, George Elmquist uh, and, and Andrew Murrow. I, I, I think those two guys are exceptional right now. They're uh... They're, they're two of our best overall players playing at a really, really high level. And then uh, the third spot's probably in between two guys. It's in between uh, sophomore transfer Jack and then, uh and then another sophomore, Lucas Peterson. Uh, so those four guys have been, uh, have kind of separated on them themselves thus far. And then at the short stick spot, you know, we have some upperclassmen in Sam Murphy and Adam Ristas and Kendall Cahey and Frankie Labetti. And then there's a freshman, a kid, Tyler Wukta, who's, uh, who's a guy at of garden city, just won a state championship with those guys last year. And he, uh, and he's been, he's been awesome thus far. So we, uh, we actually think we're going to be, we're going to be pretty good defensively. Um, you know i i, I, I in the offseason kind of shifted around some some staff responsibilities but uh but coach Hume and coach Schneidman have have kind of been tasked with uh with kind of getting the defense back to, to 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 the level that i think it can get at and those guys have done an awesome job
1: and a number of youngsters coming into the program for the first time um you know we're not going to go through the whole list but if there are a couple they to pick out obviously you mentioned one just a moment ago but of the group who's kind of, you know, gelled the quickest who's kind of transitioned from the high school and the club game to the college game. And who could we be expecting possibly this season to make a little bit of impact? Yeah, sure. So
0: I'll, 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 give you four names. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of recap again. I'll, I'll start with Tyler Wukta, the, the, the young man out of, uh, out of garden city. Just, uh, he was a high school lacrosse football kid, a, uh, a spectacular athlete has, has a great IQ and just, uh, good, good instincts when, when, when he plays um I, I think he's perfectly suited for the shot clock and he and he arrived he he's just he's just ready like it was it was very clear kind of two weeks into fall ball that he had a real chance so i'll start with him and then i'll go to two attackmen uh the two attackmen uh brian rita uh kid out of pleasantville and then patrick drake out of Silesianum in uh, in delaware uh those two guys ha- ha- have a real chance they're they're really 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 talented and uh Good IQ. They're just lacrosse players. They kind of understand the flow of the game. They uh, uh, don't really turn it over all that often. They they just they're they're kind of dependable with the ball. Um, and and I think for a freshman to be that impactful, you can't really be a wild card freshman. You gotta you gotta be reliable. So both of those guys have that characteristic. I got to imagine they get on the field in some capacity. And in the midfield, uh, the the top guy is probably Kyle Borda. So Kyle Borda is the younger brother of Matt Borda, who graduated from Fairfield, uh, I guess a few years back and uh known the board of family for a long time but they uh but they're they're an awesome family one and uh kyle certainly comes from some really good stock and we fell in love with his older brother and kyle uh kyle's got a chance to be a pretty special
1: one too well it's good to hear and obviously we'll touch a little bit more base closer as we get to the season about what the team's going to look like coming on opening day but with the schedule only a couple of weeks away from starting um. Obviously, it it's you know a little bit of a new look this season. You have a couple of returning teams to the schedule this year: St. Joe's, Rutgers, Villanova home, NJIT away. But you welcome in some new teams or some teams returning to the schedule: Siena, Georgetown, Bryant, Sacred Hearts into the mix as well, and also the uh, the new boys, Utah, coming in as well. It's going to be in mid March. What part of the schedule excites you the most in the non-conference play?
0: I. I... That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I guess really the whole thing. I mean, we, we're, we're we're moving our season back a week from when we opened last year. Um, I, I just think that gives us an extra week of just of just prep and uh, and making sure that we know exactly who we are. I thought last last year maybe in our opener we got a little bit shell shocked, and that was probably from just not not quite uh, having enough practice time, frankly. Um, so, I mean, look, I know it probably sounds like a coach speak answer, but but right now we're, we're going up to BU next weekend for a scrimmage. And then two weeks after that, we're going out to Stony Brook for a scrimmage. And then we have the opener here against St. Joe's. So my, my focus right now is just on is just on us. Uh, and, and, and I guess maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of uh, you know, a quick glance at kind of BU and who they return and all that kind of stuff. But I um, but I'm not really thinking too far beyond that
1: the one thing i'm curious about that you spoke of last year your first game is against vermont home you said shell shock they did play two games before they played you last year something that i'm always curious with you have teams that do start playing down the south really early on in early february versus teams that go you know straight into practice a couple of scrimmages then open up is there a pro and a con versus going down south to play a couple of games versus just you know continue to play you know practice get a couple scrimmages and really get it settled or is it really just you know per team per year yeah, I, I guess I'd answer that probably
0: per team, per year. I, I, I could I could argue both sides of it. Like, I actually thought last year going into it, I thought it was going to be an advantage for Fairfield because we would have gotten to have seen Vermont twice on film prior to playing them. So they were kind of coming in blind to us, and we had had a chance to see them and evaluate them a couple times on film. But, but basically what I found happened is that, that they just – they had kind of been in the moment, so, so I think, you know, maybe maybe we were a little bit emotional going in, and then uh, we frankly got punched in the teeth right out of the gate, and I'm not sure that we responded all that well. So, uh, so it, 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 you know, some of it is kind of the maturity of the team that you have, and some of it is... Uh, just making sure that regardless of whether they're preseason games or you go down south or you, you get a large enough sample size and just kind of the the scrimmage pool, uh, that, that the guys are just uh, that they're just comfortable and kind of relaxed when the when the time comes. Um, I, I thought last year we just kind of gripped our sticks a little bit too tight there early on.
1: Well, certainly some of the seem like you guys have figured out the formula for this season and obviously uh, now. Conference play, you have the 3 2, three home games, two away games this season. Um, You know, we talked about the CAA a little bit, but, and you said you're only focusing ahead, but I do have to ask the question a little bit Does it help having those three games at home this season as opposed to going, you know, three on the road and only two at home? Because there are things obviously you can control at home.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess given the choice between three home, two away, or uh, or, or two home, three away, I'm certainly gonna go with uh, with the three home games. So feel uh, feel good about that. I, I like the fact that the conference opener is at home. I, I, I like the fact that our uh, that our senior day game will be kind of the last conference game when we host Hofstra on Friday night. That could be a pretty fun one. Um, but 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 yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't. Uh, Again, I'm not I'm not looking out at at, at at too much conference play right now. I mean, I know those those five teams that uh, that we we are going to play. It's a it's a gauntlet and it's going to be a real test. So there's a lot of prep work that needs to uh, take place before then.
1: Absolutely, and just as a note for those listening at home, recently the uh, Lack Sports Network did announce their games that they're going to be showcasing. Fairfield's on the schedule three times, twice at home. Uh, Rutgers on the second of March. Utah that Friday night game in mid. Uh, March on the 15th, and then on the road at UMass. And uh, soon, very soon, we're going to be releasing the remainder of the broadcast portion. So stay tuned on FairfieldStags.com. And now the last part of the episode here, our first episode of this campaign, the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse podcast, is around the circuit. And we're talking about the rule changes, and there's a little bit of a tweak, but certainly going to be making the game more fun. And you mentioned earlier the shot clock, the shot clock, the shot clock. It is here. It's an 80-second shot clock. Clear within 20, and then you better get some on target quick. And it's certainly going to add a little bit of a wrinkle uh, to the game.
0: Yeah, it's it's finally here. I, I think it's an exciting time for our sport. I think uh, uh, our our team is certainly really excited about it. So that uh, so that certainly strikes a chord with me. But I, uh, I I like it. We've been we've been practicing with it. Um, I, I I think. Uh, uh, well, one, it, it forces you to really hit the cage when you have your hands free. I, I, I think that's one of the biggest things that we've learned is, is you may only be able to get one, two shots of possession right now. So if you're a little bit careless and you spray them and, you know, you, you, you miss the cage, it hurts you more than it has in the past because it allows the defense to reset their matchups or maybe jump into a different different defense. And frankly, generating a quality shot against zone with 10 seconds left poses its challenges for sure. So, um you know, what we've worked on kind of the, the, the different phases of our offense from when you first get through your substitution pattern, say you got 55, 60 seconds left, to, uh, you know, kind of uh, just all the way to when there's 10 seconds left, how are you handling those situations? Are you kamikaze to the cage? Or are you rolling the ball into the corner and trying to ride it back? So I, I think, um, you know, uh, part of me says that, that it, it becomes more player-friendly and kind of allows for a little bit more – athleticism and creativity to take over but the other part of me says that uh there's going to be a a lot of coaching that goes into it here too like you need to figure out what what model your opponent is using and some teams are going to play two-way middies and some teams are going to play offensive and defensive based middies and some teams are going to try to bury a two-way midi per midfield line some teams are going to be very ride focused and some teams are just going to kind of drop back and try to play half field defense and uh, you know, I can keep going on and on and on and on, but you just need to really identify what model your opponent is playing and then, uh, and then you kind of need to, to, to counter that appropriately. So, uh, I think it works well for Fairfield right now, cause I do think one of the strengths of this team is just midfield depth and just general athleticism and team speed. So we're certainly going to try to utilize that, but, um, uh, you know, but it, it, it's going to be, uh you know there's going to be some times where you're not going to be able to play perfect offense right you're just going to kind of need to need to make a play so so you know with that said i i, I do think at the end of the day it, it probably is an advantage for the defense but um uh but look it, it's going to be fun it's it's going to be a lot of fun and our guys certainly have enjoyed that in conjunction with the dive and the and the shortened box there's a lot of stuff that they uh that they hit with with this rules change but uh but i'm i'm, I'm a fan of it all so two thumbs up from my end yeah,
1: they talked about you know the coaches, how they responded to this, and who was in the positive. And it seemed your you know thoughts kind of emulate what everybody else was thinking, thinking over 70% of the Division One coaches were in agreement with using the shot clock. And as you mentioned, the dive is going to be back in play as well as the substitution box a little bit shorter. The thing that I'm curious, though, about is, and I posed this to Coach Field on the women's side a couple of years ago when the women's game added the possession clock. Does that change a little bit the type of the athlete that you're going to be looking for recruiting? recruiting wise down the road as opposed to where you know you can set up your offense you have time or you know do you need that guy that's got to be out there maybe for 40 to 50 minutes per game yeah i, I think certainly when you're recruiting middies I, I think you want middies that can
0: wear a lot of different hats where they can play offense play play defense stretch the field good passers um where, where, where they really just gonna do it all? I I, I think uh, for a while there, our sport was was pretty specialized, and it was almost like you had a hundred piece puzzle, right? And you're trying to kind of fit all those pieces together. And now I think it's almost reverting back to what it was, and you know, kind of in the late '80s when you'd see Syracuse, Virginia play in the Carrier Dome, and it would be 23-22, and the the model was just kind of let your horses run. So I I, I think. Uh, I think middies that just possess that real speed and athleticism, and and honestly, you got to recruit guys that can run for for a while. So I I think just the whole cardio piece, like guys that get tired really quickly, I I, I think that hurts you. Um, but yeah, it's been it, it's been it's been fun. I think we've kind of been recruiting for a while right now, kind of just assuming at some point in time that the shot clock was going to hit. So uh, so we certainly feel like it
1: it should be a pretty seamless transition for us. Well, certainly for the viewers at home, it's going to be a lot fun to watch because you're going to have high octane offense all the time, or at least most of the time now. So definitely it's going to be fan friendly, and uh, I definitely think that the folks are going to be enjoying this one as as you said, the players as well. Yeah,
0: f- fan friendly and just less less downtime. I mean, just the whole idea of throwing the ball around the perimeter. Six different time as well you subbed. I think that that was just visually that was a little bit ugly for our game. So it it eliminates that downtime and it's more just go 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 which I think we all can rally behind.
1: Perfect, well coach. I think that's going to do it here for our first episode. Appreciate you uh taking some time out of the preseason to chat with us and certainly as we get closer and closer to opening day is going to be a lot of excitement growing around the program.
0: Appreciate it, JJ. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And folks, just as a reminder, you know, make sure stay in touch with us on social media at Stags Men's Lacks, at Stags Women's Lacks, at Fairfield Stags on Twitter and Instagram. You can hit me up as well at JJDuke21 if you choose. It's a poor follow, but why not? But uh, until next time, thanks for listening. As always, go Stags. The Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For all information related to Fairfield Lacrosse, log on to FairfieldStags.com.